Please turn in your New Testaments to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And uh, I'm going to get you to, to hold, uh, maybe you can put your bulletin in Luke 9, 23. I'd like to use two passages this morning, but we'll begin with Matthew 11, 28. As we continue in this series called Organic Christianity, what it means to be in Christ, to have union with Christ forever, and what that really means in our life. And this morning, it means rest for our weary souls. So do you ever feel the need for rest? And I do mean physical rest here. I mean, we're really busy. We are really fast and and mobile, and I think we're very tired. Do you ever feel that you just kind of need rest inside your heart? Rest inside of yourself, in, inside of your soul. I mean, you know, it's interesting. We can, we can look calm on the outside and keep everything, try to keep everything calm on the outside, but... But, but inside, our emotional engine can be revving like an Indy race car. It's just so much churning in our hearts. And you know, when you put the real need for physical rest together with the real need for soul rest, when you put those together, you really need rest. Kind of can all feel like one big hamster wheel, this life of activity and lots of worries, lots of exhaustion, and sometimes very little meaning. Just round and round and round and round. Jesus wants to address this through his words that he gave his disciples. Jesus wants to address my heart and your heart this morning. Jesus wants you to know, and he'll tell you about the fact that there is a better way. And I'd like to begin with Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, and then go to Luke 9, 23. Matthew eleven twenty-eight, words that are so welcoming. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your weary souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then from Luke 9:23, these words of Jesus. And he said to all of them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And what this is about is something that really can only be accomplished in Christ. This is about resting in the cross while taking up our cross. This is about real rest that is an active rest that becomes Jesus' love to this world. 
resting in the cross to be able to take up our cross. Jesus addressed those in Matthew eleven twenty eight as being burdened and heavy laden. I mean, just the way that sounds just feels heavy. Not just one word there just kind of stacks the heaviness for us. Max load capacity exceeded. And you know, in, in the context of this passage, he's, he's talking to some really worn out Jewish people that have just been so burdened and, and just straining, crushed under the weight of all the rules and demands that the Pharisees have put upon them, where this refreshing name, God, is not so refreshing anymore. Do you know the Pharisees added, are you ready for this? 613 laws to what the Bible said. 613! And we're dead set on you obeying all of them and basically taught that you're not acceptable to God unless you do. Or there's a, there's a scale of acceptability and therefore a scale of blessing and you better get this done. A lot of fear. A lot of burden. And, uh, Jesus in Matthew 23 gives what are called the seven woes, like warning, like woe. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, he said. He, he says, you, you tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and you lay it on people's shoulders, and then you're not willing to lift a finger to help them. You're just crushing people. And you know, never feeling like you can do enough while you're doing everything you can is exhausting. The people needed grace. The people still need grace. Where God God becomes a different type of word. Yes, a word about His majesty, holiness, and all He is, but also a word of love and a word of relief and a word of rest. We live under the burden of our sin before God. And when you add all the things that Sometimes we think we need to do to get rid of our sin. It's exhausting. Jesus says, stop all that. Come to me. And I will free you from all that. The word rest here, it does mean to cease. Uh, It does mean to take a break, you know, and rest. But it also means to be refreshed. And Jesus is suggesting that there is kind of a ceasing of the striving, and there is a refreshment that will come from him that equals this rest. You know, this is for all of us. This isn't just a call for people who have not yet put their trust in Jesus, who are under the burden of their own sins to to find forgiveness. This is a call for all of us, believe it, believers or not, because we all are sinners, whether we're believers or not. And we are all living under the weight of our own sin. And depending on who Jesus is to us is going to be how we live and what our experience of grace is or is not. Because our sins have a way of wearing us out in all the things we do to, to try to, to deal with them. And we can find rest in Jesus and his grace. By the way, for those of you who have put your trust in Jesus, this is called repentance. 
It's stopping all this spiritual algebra of doing three good things to make up for one bad thing. And stopping all of that and going right back to all Jesus has done for us, you see. Um, in the cross, in the cross, all of our sins, all the demands for perfect law-keeping before a holy God, all of this is obliterated in relationship is freely given to sinners who simply put their trust in what Christ has done. And what has Christ done? Christ has taken our sins upon himself. Christ has been punished in our place. Christ has taken the curse of the law. That means the curse of not being able to do enough before a holy God. He has taken it. He has nailed it to the cross. He has obliterated and he said it is finished because it was finished. And now there is nothing but salvation. Nothing but full atonement. Nothing but God's righteousness and the gift of everything given to you so you can have it and you can rest in it. And you don't have to wonder where you stand with God because it's not determined by you. It's the work of another person on your behalf. The, the man Jesus, the only intermediary between God and man. This is so beautiful. And as Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified, declared righteous through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access listen to this, by faith into this grace in which we now stand. That table symbolizes the cross and all that Christ has done to give us rest in our weary souls. If you have put your trust in what Christ has done and received the risen Christ into your life, then you are standing in grace. So, Why is it that we who are set free so often just get right back under the same load of trying to deal with our sins without Jesus and without the cross? You understand, in our sin as believers, we we don't have to do all that. It's already been finished. We go to the Lord who has paid for all of it, and we simply access freshly the grace in which we now stand. That grace is applied to us. Every single time, forgiveness is applied to us and a restoring of rest. Sinners churn in their souls before a holy God. Only the complete work of Christ and the absolute gift of His grace that you can't make any better and you can't make any worse, that's the only thing that can give us rest before a holy God. This is the love of God for you. In the cross. This is what we're going to celebrate in a moment. But it's more than just knowing who we are in this passage. It's kind of walking in a a better way, what we might call a way of rest. In a rest that that Christ gives us as we live our lives. We, We need the grace of God. We need the cross. And we need Jesus' beautiful ways, generous ways with us. Jesus is saying, I not only want to give you rest like some initial rest, I want you to live in rest. I want you to have rest for your life. I want you to have a, a life that's rooted in the cross, rooted in this rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he says. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. 
And you will find rest for your weary souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This yoke, this is kind of how we live. With with his yoke, our exhaustion fades when we are in his yoke. He's offering us to come take his yoke upon us. And you know, when we take his yoke upon us, you know what we find? It's not all on us anymore. Because he's in yoke with us. Okay, it's probably time to just define what a yoke is. We're way past yokes. This is an agrarian society in which Jesus is teaching these Jews who just need grace and rest. They all know what a yoke is, and it's not the yellow middle of an egg. I want you to know that. Jesus didn't talk, take my yoke upon you. Merriam-Webster defines the yoke as, quote, a wooden bar or frame by which two animals, such as oxen, are joined at their heads or necks for working together. So rather than one oxen or one kind of beast of burden pulling some load alone, they're yoked together so they get to share the burden and they kind of have torque times two. You understand what I'm saying? And so they can kind of pull the load together. I want you to know, when we just kind of decide to to live outside of the rest that Christ gives through the cross and live in our own strength day by day, it is wearying. It, it just if, if you're pulling alone in this world, bless your heart. I know. Look, as a pastor... I know what it means to pull alone when you don't have to. And it's broken me before. So the things that I'm saying, we need to remember the rest that Jesus gives. I promise you, I'm not saying you lesser people need to remember this. You don't have to pull it all alone. With Jesus We don't pull it alone. When Jesus is in yoke with us, so Jesus is on one side of the yoke, so to speak, and he invites us to come into his yoke. When now Jesus and me are pulling together, I wonder who does most of the pulling when you're in the yoke with Jesus. Well, the answer is Christ. That's why his yoke is easy. And his burden is like, that's why he's inviting you into a Christian life that he will lead you into. He will work it. You will have to be in the yoke. You will have to walk with him. You will need to, to seek him. And, and yes, there is exertion in the Christian life. It's not just this um shakalaka, you know, let go and let God. And this isn't even me anymore. It's God. And I'm just like, not even me anymore. It's like, shut up. You are you, and you're still a sinner, and you need to continually go back to the rest, and you need to not pull alone and be in yoke with Christ. We don't need all this mystical mumbo-jumbo to see that Christ has come from heaven. Christ has taken a, a human body that we're going to celebrate His flesh to draw us to have union with Him, and the yoke is symbol of walking in this union with Him, and it matters. Christ is in our lives. The second person of God, the Savior. And he makes life 
actually work so much better when we come to Him. Remember, come unto me. And take His yoke upon us. We can bring everything to Him. We can live in Him. We are in Him, in union with Him. But we can bring the challenges we face into yoke with Him. I'll never forget, I was struggling so hard early on as a minister, and there was some issue, and I just couldn't make it work, and and I can, these people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, and all this stuff. And I just remember being so frustrated, and I was pulling alone. And I was in my little car, and I was in North Augusta, South Carolina, about to head over the bridge to First Presbyterian Church of Augusta, where I was assistant pastor. I take you to the very spot where I am in this car, and suddenly, out loud, I don't know why I did it, but I just felt it, and I said out loud in my car, God, what are you going to do with these people? And suddenly, I kid you not, I just rested. Because I wasn't pulling it all alone anymore and i just knew in my soul if i could just look to god just look to christ it's it's just wonderful you know we can bring to him our our fear bring your fear to him he he loves you he knows you're afraid it's not so bad to be afraid it's what you do with it he'll help you He'll bear you up. Bring your doubt to Him. Bring your anxieties to Him, your cares into the yoke with Him because He cast your cares upon Him, because He cares for you. And by doing this, you will have some form of what the old theologian calls a blessed rest. Verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light when you're in yoke with me and you will find rest for your weary souls. In contrast to the the proud and demanding Pharisees who just keep putting on loads and making demands and pointing out where everybody has fallen short. Jesus, we read in this passage, Come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For I am meek, I am meek and lowly and humble in my heart. Learn from me. It's just so inviting, isn't it? Rather than, are you, well, you see whether you're going to come up here to where you, Jesus is saying, I, I'm, I'm humble. Don't you want me? I'm meek. So inviting. Just so ready to take off our load. Ready to give us what we need in Christ. And might I say, just for the fun of it, that in addition to our soul resting, God really has made us for physical rest. And you can rest in your soul and just be exhausted all the time, and that's not good. That God really has given us stewardship over our physical bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, the combination of physical exhaustion and soul exhaustion is bad, but... Think for a minute that the combination of soul rest by faith in Jesus and being into the in the yoke with Jesus plus some physical rest. Now that could be very restorative. So exhausted people can come to Jesus and find rest in him. Rest, resting in the cross. But that leads us to that second part. Resting in the cross leads to us taking up our cross. 
This is Luke 9.23. And he said to all of them, If anybody would come after me, follow me, be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Following Jesus here kind of means we can't be like number one in our lives and have Jesus number one in our lives at the same time, right? He's the master. We're his followers. That kind of in its own construction of words, assumes who's the greater and who's not the greater, who has priority. Following Jesus does mean the dethroning of ourselves. And the shape of our lives, Jesus is saying here, as followers or disciples or apprentices of who he is, the shape of our lives, guess what it is? It's the shape of a cross. Surprise, surprise. It involves self-denial. It involves giving more than simply demanding. This is hard. You can't separate self-denial from discipleship. We desperately want to separate those two. It's so hard, and, and it's an increasingly vanishing idea in the church. I quote from James Davidson Hunter, uh, who wrote out of a a really important study called Evangelicalism, the Coming Generation, where he wrote this. He wrote, and I quote, Fascination with the self and our own way of seeing things has become a well-established cultural feature of evangelicalism or Bible-believing Christianity. So that's what evangelicalism means, Bible-believing Christianity. So let me start over so I won't lose you here. Fascination with the self and with our own way of seeing things has become a well-established cultural feature of evangelicalism. Self-focus is now an accepted and celebrated part of modern evangelical identity. Ouch! Basically, Jesus is saying hugging ourselves is ruinous. Self-first kills our souls drains our rest. Jesus says the way of freedom is the cross. It's very counterintuitive to me, to you, to everybody else. And the rest that Jesus gives leads to giving, to our being able to deny self and to give. And giving feeds our souls and reinforces the rest. Now, you got to understand, Jesus said, take up your cross daily before he died on the cross. So it's not like people had Calvary, Golgotha, in their minds when they heard Jesus here in Luke's gospel say, if any man would come after me, he must take up his cross daily and follow me they didn't immediately go to like the scene of the passion we can by the way but they didn't so how did they interpret these words of jesus if anyone wants to be my follower he has to take up his cross daily and follow me it's just the way they saw the cross you got to understand the cross is the most pronounced form of Execution, punishment, and shame 
that any of them knew about in that world. That was imposed by Romans on people who were criminals. You know, you were hung on a tree, and uh, and I'll just I'll just tell you now that. Um, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 21, 23, it says this, Cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. For a Jew to be hung on a cross is to be the living example of being cursed. This is the shame of the cross. And that done by occupiers, by Gentiles. You understand me? So only Jesus uses this crazy metaphor... Of what it means to be his follower. If anybody is before the cross. Anybody wants to be my follower. He needs to take up his instrument of execution. That is basically shame itself. And follow me. And and, and Jesus is saying you got to die to yourself. You Surely he's saying this is dying to yourself. Denying yourself. But it's this this little extra thing of the the emblem of shame. It's like everybody needs to pick up their electric chair and follow Jesus. But it's worse than an electric chair because it's the ultimate of shame in that culture. What does it mean? Take up a symbol of shame and death and follow me? It is the ultimate. It is the ultimate. You know what we'd rather do? We'd rather be a good person carrying our goodness and helping other people out of our goodness. There's just one problem with that. You're not good. Nor am I. Jesus himself said to the rich young ruler, no one is good but God. So if we're not good, what are we? And can any body but good people help other people jesus says that we need to admit that we are not good and we need to carry the very symbol of shame we need to say to others the people we help the sinners we help we are sinners too i am a criminal that has been pardoned i'm lowly and humble and gentle of heart too and I'm inviting you into what Christ has given me it's so much better to move toward people with the gospel of humility than a sense of superiority see the word daily there if anybody would come after me he must take up his cross his cross (laughs) daily and follow me like, um, as one scholar puts it, the, the cross is to be our daily uniform. This is who we are. We are convicted criminals who've been pardoned. Helping other convicted criminals to pardon. We are sinners who have been loved despite who we are, offering love to people who don't deserve it either from a God who gave it to us simply because he wanted to through something called the cross where the Son of God was cursed and hung on a tree. Remember the the cross is foolishness to the Gentiles? 
But it's a stumbling block to the Jews. Well, duh. Because could this great Messiah that's going to take, take us out of the Romans' hands and set up his Davidic kingdom, could he be hung on a tree? No way! No way the Messiah of God would be hung on a tree. He'd have to be cursed. Yep. That's the kind of Messiah we actually have. Someone that took our curse and was hung on a tree. Basically, here it is. You're going to be, you're going to be a believer. You're going to represent Jesus to the world. You better have your shame ID on every time. You better have your, you better have your shame uniform. You better have your shame flag out. So that people will not mistake you for somebody that's better than them. But will see the lowliness of your heart and be open to that. This is how resting becomes an active giving. This is how we represent Christ and serve. It is self-denial. It is taking up the cross. This is who we think we are when we're doing it. It's kind of like um, the famous introduction in, a, in an Alcohol Anonymous meeting. So you don't know, in an Alcohol Anonymous meeting, you don't have somebody say, now I'm, I'm a, a well person and you, you people are sick. But we're going to help you low people. That's not the way it works. It's one of the great features. Somebody comes up to the podium or wherever to speak in an Alcohol Anonymous meeting, they say, hi, I'm Joseph, I'm an alcoholic. And then they, everybody says, Hi, Joseph. And we're, we're all, I, I, in other words, I'm not trying to speak down to you. We're, we're, I'm speaking to you. Okay, so here it is. And I want you to do the hi, Joseph part, okay? Okay, so this is what we say when we take up our cross. Hi, I'm Joseph. I'm a convicted criminal who was pardoned by Jesus. <laughs> Thank you very much. I imagine what that moment would be like. <laughs> But that's what you got to do. Are you willing to say, hi, I'm Dan, I'm a convicted criminal who got forgiven, and I'd love to love you too. That's, that's what carrying our cross is like. Jesus took our shame on the cross, and he set us free to, to love and to serve. Let me just ask you a few questions as we go to celebrate the cross. Are you willing to find in Jesus both your rest, and your true identity as a forgiven child of God? Are you willing to humble yourself and come unto me, meaning Jesus? Come unto me. Quit pulling alone. Quit trying to deal with your sins alone. Quit trying to deal with your anxieties alone. Quit pulling alone. Come unto me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you willing to humble yourself and come to Jesus and find rest right now? Are you tired? Exhausted? Last question. Are you willing to deny yourself to serve others? To take up your shame idea and identify as one needy person who experienced grace with needy people who need grace and just need love? Are you willing to identify as a sinner who's forgiven with people who need Jesus? When we are resting in Christ and willing to carry our, our cross, our shame idea of grace, it is at that time that 
Christ can do great things in our humility, in our lives, in our need, and through us in our humility. So let's celebrate the cross right now at the Lord's table. Let's pray. Lord, we need your rest. I would say forgive us for pulling alone, but maybe I'd, maybe I should say show us that we don't have to pull alone. We can come to you. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done, you, you're still trying to do it yourself. You're still trying to be good enough for a holy God and, and maybe the Holy Spirit. Maybe God has shown you that that's never going to work and you're just going to be exhausted. And you want Christ and what he's done, you want rest. For the first time in your life. Just pray with me. Lord I see it. This is so futile. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity. Everything I've called religion. And I want to turn from my pride and my sin. And I want to turn to you Jesus. And receive all that you have done for me. In full payment for my sin. All that you've done for me. On the cross. You've taken away the curse of the law. Thank you that even now you've come into my life. Even now I know I can rest before you because your demands have been fully met in me through Jesus and by faith. Lord, there are many of us that we have known this, but we just, I don't know how we get there, but we we just decide we want to deal with our our hurts and our fears and our sins and our challenges. We just want to try to control it. We want to pull alone. And it's just wrecking us and people around us. If that's where you are to some degree or another and you want to come back in to yoke functionally with Jesus by faith, would you pray with me? Lord, I see this. That's me. God, I just turn away from from my own overestimation of my power and ability. Lord, I just take take your yoke upon me yet again. And thank you that you are there and that you will pull even as I walk with you. And then, Lord, there are many of us that we just forget that it's a cross that we take up. We've somehow lost our shame identity, our shame uniform that is our glory. And the only thing we would ever really be able to boast in, we hung that up in the closet a long time ago. And we've been helping people out of our goodness and superiority when we think about others every once in a while. God, would you move us from such a self-focus to a Christ-focus? Would you help us yet again to experience your grace and your rest and your love? Would you help us to see that we are redeemed sinners? And would you give us the humility of the gospel itself with the people that live under the same roof with us? that they might experience and taste and see how good you are? Lord, would you help us to learn to repent quickly and have the restoration not only of that rest, but also of that identity 
that you want us to export it to the world and help us finally to celebrate our true identity in Jesus with the supper that you gave for us to remember and commune. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.